Welcome one and all to episode 183 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, it is everybody's favorite podcast episode of the year. The one and only Sully Football joins us to talk offensive linemen in the 2023 NFL Draft. And you know what? For once, his team, you know, kind of desperately needs one. So I think he's going to be even more passionate than usual about this. But before we get to Sully, Justin, how was Minnesota? <laughs> um, it was it was cold, Seth. <laughs> um, but it was nice. Uh, again, for for our listeners, um, we apologize. We couldn't put together an episode last week. I was in Minnesota for school. Um, I'm halfway done uh, after this semester. So thanks for sticking with us. We uh, we're kicking it back off with a bang tonight because. Uh, as Seth said, uh, this episode every year we this will be our third year now uh, doing this in a row, and this is always one of the most highly rated, if not most highly rated, episodes that we do each year. So, uh, Sully, thanks for joining us again three years in a row. You've been with us since we came back from our hiatus. How you doing? What's up, fellas? How's everything going, man? Can we're complain. doing good, man? How are you enjoying fatherhood? It's uh, you know, when you're you know, when you um, are in the pregnancy phase, everybody who is a parent warns you about the sleep and you think you got it. Like you think you understand and then you get into it and it's a whole new level of tired, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, you know, can blindside you there, but um, it's, it's awesome, man. It's changed, uh, changes a, a lot about you uh, pretty quickly, but um, yeah, man, it's been freaking awesome. I got a daughter now, so I'm girl dad. Um, so waiting, counting down the days we got about, I don't know, about 21 more years before we win the LPGA. So that's all I'm looking forward to. <laughs> that's awesome. Congratulations to you and your family. Uh, it's really awesome. You know, I'm a two-time girl dad, and Seth's got a daughter as well. So if you need any hand-me-downs, hit us up. <laughs> I, I do got to add, too, guys. Uh, so I get asked probably 15 or more times a year to do podcasts, and I do none except for this one. So we always appreciate it, dude. It's, uh, you know – it's it's an honor that we're, when because I know people are always asking you to do the show. Everyone loves to hear you talk O line, and uh, O line has become one of the draft Knicks and football Twitter's favorite subjects. People really appreciate um, gaining some you know insider knowledge. We know that you played in college and and uh, you've done some coaching, so um, we really appreciate you coming on with us. It's it's definitely one of our favorite shows to do. Appreciate the invite, like always, guys. All right, let's kick this off with the guy at the top of Daniel Jeremiah's uh, offensive line big board, and that's Peter Skaronsky. Is he a guy that can play tackle to you, or is he going to have to kick inside to guard or even like a potentially center? So I, I think this is an interesting one because of where he plays. Like the comparison always jumps back to Rashawn Slater, right? But the issue with that is – like Slater is a once in a lifetime athlete at the position. So a lot of what will, you know, kind of hindered him with the shorter arms and the things people were concerned about. It never really showed up on tape because the guys, I mean, he's an absolute freak of a human being where Scronzi is really not, um, you know, he's not a bad athlete, but he's not on the level of what Rashawn Slater was. So I think this is Joel Batonio, Zach Martin, you know, those type of, of guys. I think he kicks inside and you just forget about a guard for a long time. Now, 
you know, uh, uh, Joe Tooney is a pretty good, um, you know, comparison to him. I know a lot of people are using that one, but I think that's a pretty uh, fair comparison where could he get you by at left tackle for a couple games for sure? Is it really where he's best suited? I don't think so. Um, you know, the lack of athleticism, I shouldn't call it lack of athleticism, sorry, the um, the lack of being an elite athlete along with coupled with the shorter arms, I think shows up on film for you quite a bit there. And that's why I think you kick that guy inside and you just forget about, you know, left guard or right guard for a number of years. Um, he, he's, you know, highly intelligent player, a fantastic player. He's just played left tackle because, you know, you know where he went to school, right? If this guy's at Ohio State or if he's at Georgia or one of those places, this isn't even a conversation, right? He plays he plays guard there. It's because of where he was. That's why he played left tackle, because he was still clearly their best lineman. Um, I think he's going to go really high in the draft, and I think someone's going to be really happy to get him. But, you know, if you remember way back in the day, we had all these same conversations about Zach Martin coming out, and it was, can he do it? Of course, right? Like he's, I mean, these are talented guys. Like, just uh, scrounce he's got all the tools he's going to be a great player you're talking about a 10-year starter uh you know fantastic player so could he probably do it sure is that really where you want him i don't you know i'd rather kick him inside and um you know maybe you know he has a joe tooney type impact from the inside where he's playing next to you know left tackle who's not very good and he's able to kind of cover up some of those mistakes um which is what tooney did for us this year in kansas city so i think that's a pretty good comparison and you know um, again, for me, I, I think you kick him inside and just forget about it. Yeah, I'm glad to, to I, I hear love, you say that. Um, yeah, go ahead, Seth. I was just saying, I just love the the small dig you uh, got in there too, because that that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like to hear you say, uh, you know, for our listeners, the difference between Skronsky and Slater, because to me, they're not the only thing similar to me is that they went to Northwestern and that they're under six five, right? Um, Slater's athleticism is off the charts. The way he moves is different. And uh, I've been kind of banging the drum that Skronsky should, should move inside all season long because I've, I've seen him um, up close being here in the Chicago area. And actually he went to high school uh, not too far from where I live down the street here in uh, Park Ridge, Illinois. So I'm very familiar with this guy. I think he's a great player. I just think he's a guard. And um, the athleticism, like you said, it's not that it's not that he's a bad athlete. It's just that he's a guard athlete. And when you couple that with the the height, the arm length, and all of that, I think that's where he ends up. Um, which I think brings me to to my, our next question, because or at least kind of, um, I, I've always thought that it's kind of unusual that Paris Johnson hasn't been more people more of the the big drafts uh, top offensive tackle because of his size and athleticism but Ohio State actually has three potential first round or uh, at least like top 50 offensive line prospects in this class so I want to get your thoughts first on Paris Johnson uh, and his prospects and then I'll ask you about the next two guys yeah so for Paris Johnson for me um, somebody's got to fix his hands I think they got to do that right away but a good old or uh, he just a ton of misplacement. They're all over the place. He get guys get into his chest pretty easily. Um, I don't think he's really figured out how to strike just yet. Um, but a good O-line coach is going to fix that, and that's going to be pretty easy to fix. Like, he doesn't have a lack of a punch, right? He doesn't lack length like Skronsky, who we just talked about. He's not, you know, Cedric Abue from a couple years ago who just had pillows for hand. It's none of those type of things. He just has really poor timing, um, really poor placement. And those things, you know, like I said, the right O-line coach will fix that. And, I mean, before you even, 
you know, before he's in the game six, game eight of his rookie year. So I'm not really too worried about him. He's apparently, from what I understand, he's really good, like off the field, like dad's a coach, big in the community. He's a freak athlete. He's huge. Um, he can pass protect with the best of them. I really, really like him. Um, I think his ceiling, you know, I threw this out there the other day in one of the group chats. I think he's Ronnie Stanley. Um, you know, if everything goes well, if you get the hands fixed and he continues to develop, but like the story on him as a guy is like, he's just relentless in how hard he works. So I know you hear that a lot around this time, but these are like guys that are in the know that say like anybody who's around the dude, like can't get enough of his work ethic. Those guys always work out. If you have that work ethic with that athleticism and that size and everything else that's going for you, I think he's probably the safest offensive tackle to draft. Um, I like a couple guys more. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I, I think he's a really, really good player. And you're right. It's weird to me to see him like in that 15 range. You know, some people like if he falls to 15 or 18, like I've seen some people say, I hope Kansas City's jumping up to grab him and you know kick Jawan back to right tackle because I mean this guy to me. He's going to struggle some as a rookie, which, you know, um, I, I don't remember who it was, just put this out, but you may see that Andrew Thomas type career trajectory there where that first year looks pretty rough, you know, and but you bet on the athleticism and the work ethic and everything else that comes with it. And then maybe he has that kind of meteoric rise where if you guys remember three years ago, we talked about Andrew Thomas and I didn't like him then. Um so, you, you know, when you, when you do this for a couple of years, you kind of start to learn from some of your other mistakes. So and I really like the dude, man. I, I don't know why he's not, you know, because there's so many quarterbacks and then you got the crate, the freak defensive lineman. And then, you know, all those corners were, you know, they're six foot two and they all run four, three now. So maybe that's why he's not considered a top 10 player. I don't really know, but I, I thought he would be a sure thing. Like, you know, top eight, and he's kind of started out up there and now he's dropped down into the mid teen. So not really sure what's going on there because there isn't like anything anybody's saying that like would worry you. And there's definitely nothing on film that scares you. I just wonder if uh, the lack, <clears throat> I, he only played left tackle in college the one year and he played right guard uh, for a year before that. So I, I just wonder maybe if people are a little bit worried about the experience level, but I, I don't think that really makes a lot of sense to me because I'm pretty sure he played left tackle in, in high school. Um, Seth, your Arizona Cardinals have been connected to Ohio State's former Ohio State center Luke Whipler, um, they like him apparently so much that he is a possibility with their sec their second round pick, or maybe even them moving back in uh, to late first round. So first, Seth, I want to ask you, what do you think about that? Is that something you're in favor of? Well, I mean, it means that the old GM's not here because he's not under six foot two and under three hundred pounds. <laughs> So well, maybe he just wants used, to move him to guard. That that used to be their uh, mo. They had to take a smaller, undersized center in the seventh round. That was really scrappy, and you find out you're like, why did you even draft this guy? He wasn't even draftable. Um, you know, I think Whipler. You know, we've talked about this a lot, and Sully, you know, was a guy that kind of spearheaded this about these these wrestlers, right? These guys that wrestled in high school at like a high level and Whippler is one of them. And anytime you talk about that stuff, I just get excited. Cause I'm like, I'm just expecting a guy that's going to fight you tooth and nail. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy at six, three, three Oh five, but for a center, that's fine. And, you know, you come from a, a power five program, you come from a blue blood, you know, he just, 
it seems like the type of guy, you know, I, I think I, I made the comparison and, you know, solely I'd, you know, you, you watch this guy for years, Mitch Morse. That's kind of who he, who he reminds me of um, coming out. And, you know, if you get that level of play from a center, I, I can't complain. You know, the Cardinals have dropped the bag the last two years because their quarterback wanted his, his, uh, college center and, and Creed Humphrey and, and somehow that wasn't worth a second round pick. And then uh, they were going to take the kid out of Nebraska, whose name I can't even remember now. Um, and the Eagles traded up to draft him while they sat there. So I don't know, man. That was uh, Cam Jurgens. Yeah, Cam Jurgens. And so, you know, uh, it, 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 it'll be interesting if they actually address the center position and not trade for a 34-year-old that doesn't want to play for them. So, Sully, what are your thoughts on Whipler? Have you got a chance to watch this guy? I mean, tested pretty. He, his uh, testing was pretty above average for a center. Um, little on the small side. I had another. I think uh, Morse was a Missouri guy, right? Yeah, Mitch Morse, but he was a tackle in college, I believe. And I was and, also thinking of another Missouri guy, Connor McGovern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Morse was huge, man. Morse was like six six playing center, um, but. You know, the wrestling background, I always love that on the interior because they just understand leverage. And, you know, the bigger guys play down on the inside. If you're going to get them, if you're going to get movement down there, if you're going to be able to do, you know, blocking the run game, get out in space, you're going to have to understand leverage in there. So wrestlers always work. I think Whipler's good. I haven't done a ton of work on the centers because, as the aforementioned Creed Humphrey, we got him so I can kind of forget about center for the next 12 to 15 years. He's, uh, he's one, again, like we just talked about, you know, you learn things throughout the process. He had some, you know, 85% of his film, 90% of his film was like, this is the best center of the last, you know, 10 years. It's a no-brainer. This is this guy's going to be a, a all-pro, you know, maybe a Hall of Famer one day. And then he had like three or four games that, I mean, you couldn't even tell it was the same player. And then, so, you know, a lot of us got kind of cold on him, weren't too sure. Um, you know, I, the Packers took the kid out of Myers out of Ohio State, like all of us are kind of a little sketchy because, I mean, he had some really, really rough film. But, you know, you got to trust your line coaches because who they are 90% of the time is who they are. So Creed's hit, obviously, is best center in football. Um, and, you know, it's very, you talked about it a little bit, your old GM kind of missing on that. But it it's not a position of high importance because it's the interior offensive line. It's not nearly as important as the tackles. But, I mean, Creed does so much with setting protection, and that's where – you know, like we just talked about with Scronsi, where Tooney helps with a lot of that stuff too. So um, Creed's been fantastic. When it comes to Wipler, you know, a little undersized. I thought when he got out in space, um, he got bullied around a little bit. You know, he's definitely struggled in those areas. You could see him on the ground quite a bit whenever he was, you know, asked to do things out in space. Now, some other people have thought he was great in space, but I saw him get run over a lot. Um, so those areas would worry me. But I think overall, you got a pretty good player. I like the kid out of Minnesota a whole lot better. Um, I forget his – I got like a funny nickname John for him, Michael but it's Schmitz. Schmitz. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, Schmitz. And, but he's a, a lot bigger player, much more physical. Also, um, you know, was a has a big-time wrestling background. It shows up in the way that he finishes. So I like Schmitz a whole lot better than I like Whipler, but – I still think, I mean, if you're into that second round, third round, Whipler, the interior is so easy to cover guys up. You know, I mean, like we're talking about right now, you know, I mean, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl with Austin Ryder, who's not a very good football player. He's still on the team. Um, You know, you can cover guys up on the interior, you know, somewhat easily, Um, you know, especially at center because, you know, if they're 
cerebral, right? If they know what's going on, they can help you set protections. They can do different things like that. You know, they're not always kind of on an island by themselves. They usually have some help in there. So it's not a position where the guy needs to be necessarily a dominant player. But I don't think Whippler is that, you know, no-brainer Ryan Kelly, um, you know, Cam, well, Cam Jurgis from a couple of years ago. The Eagles just keep drafting centers and playing them everywhere else. I, I don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> you know, they, there's been some other guys that were, I think, a lot better prospects. But, yeah, if you're in that second or third round, you can take Whippler and, and feel pretty good about what you're doing on the interior. Interesting uh, to note between Whippler and uh, John Michael Schmitz, uh, Whippler is, is three years younger than Schmitz. Schmitz uh, born in 99 in March 99, so he just turned – 24 years old, Whippler won't be 21 until May. So just throwing that out there because um, you're talking about uh, a lot of times we talk on this show a lot about people's uh, growth, their ceilings. I was actually kind of surprised Whippler declared after uh, as a redshirt sophomore after just two years starting, but but here we are. Um, the other guy I wanted to ask you about, Dewan Jones is uh-huh. just a mammoth human being and uh, – we don't have a lot of testing on him. I know you you like to follow uh, Kent uh, Lee Platt's math, math bomb at math bomb on Twitter, the RAS, and so we don't have a lot of knowledge as far as what Dewan Jones RAS is going to be. He just ran a forty at the combine, and I believe that he ran it at about five foot five point three seconds, which at uh, three hundred and seventy plus pounds, he he was six eight three seventy four. And he ran a five three five. So five three five doesn't seem that fast until you take into account this guy's uh, weighs almost four hundred pounds. Um, we've also seen highlights of him playing basketball. I'm wondering, do you think he's a good enough athlete? Um, to me, I think he's just a right tackle only because I don't think he has the athleticism to, to play left tackle, and I think he's kind of scheme dependent too in that way. And I think he's too tall and too massive to play guard because there's only like two quarterbacks in the league that can see over top of him. Um, what's your thoughts on DeJuan Jones? This is an interesting one because I don't really know, and I'm not sure anybody else does either. Um, you know, he's not bad on film, but they he's also fine guys this big. I mean, like yeah, that that's that's the kicker, right? Is like when has it worked? You know that that was my question the other day kind of, you know, we have a group text where we go talk about this stuff all day. And I said, when has this really ever worked? And the answers were Trent Brown and Orlando Brown, two pretty, you know, league average players, right? Who are, you know, you know, the the counter to that is, do we like them better if they stay at right tackle? You know, and maybe that's where Dewan Jones plays. Maybe that's what he's drafted to do. I don't know. I really don't know the answer to whether he works or not right now. Like, you know, what he does well is, be gigantic and massive, you know? Um, but that doesn't necessarily always translate over. It just hasn't in the past. Um, and on top of that, like, the other really big guys, you know, the, the big guys that have worked have been, you know, su- superb athletes. Like, I I, seen, I saw someone compare him to Makai Becton, but I don't even think that's a very fair comparison. Dewan's bigger than him, but Becton was more heavy. He was a great athlete. He was just, you know, a big, heavy guy who, and, and truthfully, hasn't been able to stay healthy in the, in the NFL. So right. whenever you have these bigger, slower-footed guys, you know, especially with the way that the game's turning, I, I agree with Seth. He's going to be super scheme-dependent. Like, I would hate to see him. In, I know a lot of people are mocking him to Kansas City to come play right tackle. I, I would – now, I mean, maybe it's something they do, but I'd love to see us get away from these big, lumbering, you know, struggle out on island. Like, he's going to be – 
if he's in Baltimore, you know, uh, I don't know, Pittsburgh, you know, Cleveland comes to mind, places like that where, you know, he's not going to be asked to do too, too much. I, I don't know. Maybe he works, but I would stay away from him. Um, because, you know, like we talk about all the time, right? You don't draft outliers. You know, right. you're, you're especially not with where he's being mocked. Like if we're talking about a third rounder here, sure. You know, you draft him and you figure out whether you think you can make that thing work. But this guy is getting mocked at like the end of round one, early right. round two. That, that's, those are guys you have to count on the hit. Like they have, they have to play football for you. Um, and I don't know that I trust that, especially not with the other guys that are in that group, you know, because there's kind of the Broderick, Paris Johnson Jr., Skaronsky group. And then there's that next group that gets talked about, right? Where the, when is the next run going to come with these guys? And I think he's the worst of that next group. Yeah, I, I see him mocked to Cincinnati a lot, and I'm not sure that I like that fit because Burrow is a, a player who does try to extend plays. And I when I look at a guy like Dewan Jones, I don't think he's the type of tackle you want, like you said, for Kansas City or a team where, where you have a quarterback, even Cleveland, where you have a quarterback who's going to try and extend plays. Uh, this is a guy who's, you know, I, you know, the guy I thought of was Phil Lodeholt back with those Viking teams. He was this this huge guy, and he's just a road grader, run blocker, downhill guy, and you're you're not really counting on him to do, you know, to be a a, a god in pass protection, because I think that's what Dewan Jones's uh, trajectory is, like a best case scenario, right? Um, but yeah, I'm, I you know we talked about Becton on this show a couple of years ago, and I think uh, we raised concerns about his size, his weight, those big heavy players we used to Seth and I used to talk about the rule of 330 and it, it kind of we we kind of applied it to both offense and defense when a guy weighs over 330 pounds coming out of college you a lot of times you have concerns about the weight is it going to be good weight is he going to be able to maintain his athleticism at that weight how are the knees how are the legs going to hold up when you're carrying that much weight it's there's a lot of concerns I I like Dewan Jones I think he was a really good college player but, um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to take that guy in the first round. When you look at this class overall, Sully, who's the best pass protector in this class to you? God, man, if you'd asked me this probably like two weeks ago, I would have leaned more towards, you know, either Broderick or Paris Johnson Jr., you know, cleaning up a few things. But the dude I've really come around on is Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Um, I, I'm not so sure. I don't think he's the best tackle in the class, truthfully. Um, just a and a, another mammoth dude, 6'5", 333 pounds. But the difference is this guy can move, right? This is a six foot five, three hundred and thirty-three pounds with a five flat forty. You know, a two nine twenty yard split, and then a one seven five ten. So just so everybody knows, I mean, that's elite numbers for any offensive lineman. But even more so when you factor in, you know, over three hundred and thirty pounds. Um. You know, a nine foot broad. The dude's got the arm length of 30, almost 34 uh, arms. He's played, you know, he comes from like a powerhouse out in West Virginia, a uh, high school that he played at. Um, and he's he's gotten better every year. And the thing you'll like the most about Darnell Wright, if you, if you cut on his film, is, and I think a lot of people are starting to come around on this, he played everybody who's going to be drafted in the first round. Like, he played against all of them, and he dominated just about all of them. Like, his game against Will Anderson, great. He's played against Brian Breeze. He's played against all these guys. So you can find film on him, really, especially over the last two years or so, going against most of the top prospects. 
He performed very well for them. And he's a guy I think already has the best te- technique in the class for, for any of the offensive tackles. Um, you know, you see him do a lot of really advanced things. He mixes up what he does in his sets a ton. I mean, there's a clip from uh, Golick put out where, I mean, he's like pushes off from his left foot twice before his right foot even touches the ground. That's a guy that's 335 pounds doing that. Um, he's a freak athlete. Again, can various sets, can do just about anything you want him to do. And, you know, I'd say he's the best pass blocker in the class. And that's saying something because he's known really as a run blocker, right? As a guy that can go downhill. So I think he's the best offensive tackle in the class. And he's kind of quickly, I don't know, in the last two weeks or so, I really came around on him, especially after seeing his workouts, because the worry was, you know, were we dealing with another mammoth offensive tackle who can't move? But that's just simply not the case with this guy. And, you know, really body comp wise, if he gets with the right guy, like a Duke, you know, for an offseason or two where he can clean up some of that body composition too, man, I think the sky's the limit for him, and he's only getting better. So, um, you know, I think Darnell Wright, if you can't tell, I think he's the best pass protector in the class, but I also, I mean, I think he's my my guy this year. I'm, I'm really, really high on him. Yeah, Wright is um, a pretty well put together, 330 pounds, which is it's crazy. Every year these guys get bigger, but also – somehow remain fairly lean but like you said he could probably drop still drop some weight and um but i was really impressed with the way he moved um both on tape with the tennessee tape and i, I really don't in, really enjoy that offense from a from a college football fan perspective it's a cool offense from a trying to scout standpoint it, i kind of hate it but um you still see quite a bit on tape from him that's that's positive and then you mentioned a combine for a guy weighing uh, 330 pounds. Those numbers would have been great for a guy weighing 290 pounds. You know, um, he's he's an impressive guy. I think at first glance, some people will see the weight and want to move him to guard. And I don't think you have to at all. I think he's a left tackle. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, he's a player. We Seth and I haven't got our rankings together yet because we're running behind this year. But um, that's a guy I think. If you're talking first round, especially later in the first round, and I think Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, we mocked uh, right in the first round of our last mock, right? Yeah, that was uh, one of the hot takes. Was uh, you know when the the former five star four year starter <laughs> right was uh, <laughs> gonna be a be in the first round, and you're like, really? Yeah, somebody <laughs> said he was a sleeper, and we're like, oh, the five the five star guy from the SEC's powerhouse and you know, uh, went to, who went to the combine like that good sleeper. <laughs> Sully, what about the road grading run blocker? Who's the top guy in this class? Who's just going to move bodies and clear space for a guy like Derek Henry or Nick Chubb? Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to make this boring the whole episode and just keep talking about the top guys, but you know, the reason you keep talking about the top guys is this is a really weak class overall. I think, um, you know, there's like, maybe one or two guys at, at some of the positions that you're pretty sure are going to be able to play for a while in the NFL. And a lot of the rest of these guys have a ton of question marks on them. So I love Broderick Jones and, you know, in this question, right, the best road grading run blocker that dude, not only can he run block, he's also a fantastic, uh, you know, pass blocker, fantastic athlete. I mean, he looks, he wears like 59 or 58, whatever it is. I mean, he looks like a defensive end and he's playing offensive tackle. Um, love him. But then a later round guy, that I like a ton that I started to see a few other people are coming around on was Antonio Maffi, um out of UCLA. 
this dude's like built, you know, just squatty, 340 pound, just nasty, go right at you. I mean, he cleans people up in pass pro like crazy. He can get downhill in the run game. I'd love to see him like you just mentioned. Um, you know, in Cleveland, in Tennessee, I don't know what Baltimore is going to look like now, right? But Baltimore, though, one of those type of places, I think he's someone who's like round five, round six, you draft and you feel pretty good about if either of your guard go, guards go down, you can kind of plug and play him. Um, you know, everybody loves his run blocking because he's just, I mean, he's just a physical, strong, just, I mean, you talk about the old phone booth guy. Like he's like a much better version of AJ can kind of, kind of deal, but um, you know, I think his pass protection is a little underrated. Truthfully, I think the player is a little bit underrated. He went from kind of being mocked in that undrafted free agent seventh round. Now you're starting to see people put him up in that fifth round and all. So I wouldn't be surprised with the right fit. Somebody grabs him in one of those middle rounds. And again, maybe he's not a starter right away. You know, they might get his weight under control a little bit, but I think you're going to feel pretty comfortable with him. Um, you know, if, if somebody were to go down and I, I'm telling you, you want to see attitude and guys getting finished and things like that. That's your guy. We we uh we discussed Moffy, right, Jay? After uh, were, was he at the Senior Bowl or was he at the uh, Shrine Game? Seth, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we did, even if we didn't. <laughs> Perfect, because <laughs> uh, he's the UCLA guy. That's how I remember him. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we, well, we had a couple of UCLA guys too, because after the combine, we talked about John Gaines uh, because he he had that uh, that short shuttle that Josh Norris talked about that's a good indicator for future success. He was the only guy at the combine who had a, a four sub four four seven, I think, short shuttle. So yeah, we've talked about a couple of UCLA guys on that line, which uh if you look at the running back there, Zach Charbonnet, who uh we've all we also like a lot on this show, and uh just the way their offense was humming this year. Kind of makes sense those uh, that they had a couple interior linemen there, good prospects. Yeah, and he, he was at the senior bowl. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what. Okay. And who's the so who's the most overhyped guy this year for you, Sully? Uh, the Cody Cody Mock, the kid out of North Dakota State. Um, but he's missing a lot of teeth, people love Sully. Him. He's missing teeth. Right, and <laughs> I, I I think it's this whole like aura around that, and it's you know the funny thing is sometimes people tell on themselves because you guys know right you're you're in this game. It's harder than ever to get film on some of this stuff so like how much north dakota state film do you really have and then when you've seen him in the all-star games when you watch his clips you know when you watch his highlights he i mean there is so much work to be done with him as a player um i mean from a stance from hands from you know i mean just everything needs to kind of be reworked and then on top of that it's not a great athlete. There's not a ton of great size. I saw people talking about him as a tackle. I mean, he's got a kick inside, and I think he's a ways away. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of his. Even the highlights from him, you know, at the All-Star Games he was at and such, he just looks really bad in one-on-ones. I mean, at a place, um, you know, I, he almost looks like a defensive tackle when he's in his stance. I'm not really too sure what's going on with that. I do like the no teeth and all that. That's cool. But that stuff will get played out a little bit if you can't back that up in, in a locker room, you know. Right. So I'm not uh, a big fan of his. I don't know why other people like him so much. Um Sometimes with guys like him, at least from what I've seen, just kind of following the community for years and such, is people like to latch on to some of these people. And I, this is not to like completely crush the guy, right? But they like to latch on to some of those 
those level prospects from the smaller places. So it makes it seem like they're grinding film more than everybody else. And look at this guy I got, right? No, Where like nobody would do that. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> so. I I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think he's anywhere near the player Billy Turner was coming out. Um, you know, well, I, he's not. Was, he, there's a, been a couple other guys come out of NDSU too that were better offensive linemen, right? I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember what their names were, but uh, B- Billy Billy's the big one. And I, you know, we when we had the old website going, um, you know, I did a big breakdown of him. I loved him coming out. I mean, he was a complete and total ass kicker. Yeah. I mean, he was fantastic. Um, and he's stuck in the league. I mean, he's been a starter for a number of years now. So I mean, it, that worked, right? Sometimes people get. You know, uh, Joel Egg offens- was the guy I was thinking of. Too. Right. Yeah. He, I mean, they've had a him. Prospect in mock, right? Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I'm just not sold on the Cody mock thing. I don't. And again, I haven't seen anything anyone's shown me that's like, oh, okay, this is why people are high on him. It really feels more like a. I I got a weird feeling this is going to be the one draft day. You know, where we're like in the round four and five when this guy still hasn't been drafted and people are going to be going, man, look at the value there. Because right. I, I, w- I wonder if this is a community thing versus a true value on this guy because I don't see how anybody saw sees anything technique-wise here that they really love. And then on top of that, it, he wasn't a great athlete and didn't have the great size. So I'm not sure, you know, like where the fascination is besides the no teeth thing. So I'll tell you, the testing on him is, is decent. It's It's pretty good. Um, but again, it, that's if you put him at guard, right? Right. And that's where I kind of have him slotted because he's got the short arms. I don't think he's a left tackle type of athlete. And then he's another thing that's worth noting is he's already turned 24 years old. So you've always, we again, we're talking about ceiling. What's this guy's ceiling when he's already 24 coming in? Um, it might be different from for O-line versus quarterback or something like that, but it's still something worth noting. This is a guy who is playing at as a 23 year old against teenagers and early 20 somethings at an fca fcs level too right and there was nothing at the senior bowl that that said oh this guy came in and faced the top competition and and dominated that to me that didn't happen so i don't know i'm with you i don't know um what's going on there um as far as the hype with him i think it's it's one of those things that Seth and I talk about, there's a lot of, uh, like we talk about with Will Levis, right? Um, one of the things that I always say is like, oh, but he puts mayonnaise in his coffee or he ate a banana <laughs> with the peel on, right? Like those are things that <laughs> stick in people's heads. And it, and I think it causes them to get a soft spot for some guys and then kind of talk themselves into it. Um, Sully, what are your top five offensive line or your five favorite? I know you might not have them ranked. But give us your top five or your five favorite O linemen in this class. Yeah, so number one, we already talked about him, Darnell Wright. Um, you know, I wonder, do we look back on this class three years from now and go, yeah, that was the guy all along? Like, I'm not so sure he can't be moved to left tackle. I don't want him to, you know, because I think he's going to be fantastic at right tackle. And look, in today's NFL, that matters just as much. But um, I'm not so sure we don't look back and say that was the best offensive lineman in the draft. So a guy that's just continuously improving, again, freak athlete, giant player, can pass, protect, and run block. I really like him. Um, Number two, again, these are my favorites. I'm not ranking offensive linemen. My favorites, uh, I really like Tyler Steen. And I think he can play right tackle in the NFL. And if he doesn't, then I think he can definitely play guard in the NFL. Um, Does everything well. And he reminds me not – He's nowhere near the size or level athlete that 
uh, Trey Smith was. But, you know, at Trey Smith, when Trey Smith was coming out of Tennessee, if you guys remember, we talked about him. He was my guy that year. And it was one of them things where, like, show me the bad film here. Like, he gets guys blocked. It didn't. It wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always the way you want it to look, but he gets guys blocked. And I think Tyler Steen kind of fits that same mold of, like, it doesn't always look the way you want it to look, but he gets guys blocked. He's an okay athlete. It's that weird kind of squatty build for a tackle that I think is throwing people off with him, especially. And he also wore the weird number. So who knows, right? Maybe if he, it sounds dumb, right? But, you know, Broderick Jones also wears the numbers down in the 50s. They just look a little weird at tackle because it's not something you're used to. So I don't know if that's maybe playing with people's minds or what, but I think he's a really good player. Um, he was, you know, he's being mocked in like the round four, round five range. I think if you take him in round four, round five, you get a starter and a rookie starter at that. So Perhaps I really he like missing that. some teeth. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I really, really like Tyler Steen. Um, Broderick Jones is another one just sealing off the charts. Um, I think he has a little bit lower floor than some of the other guys. But, um, again, can do it all. Fantastic in space. You know, I mean, you can't really go wrong with the Georgia guys at this point. Um, you know, a, a ton of potential there. Could also be the guy you're looking back two or three years from now and going, yeah, it was him all along. Um, number four, we talked about Paris Johnson Jr. a little bit. You know, everything he has that's wrong with him is fixable, right? It's the hands. It's, you know, just something an offensive line coach is going to have no trouble fixing. And I think he just needs reps. Um, you know, I, I, someone who maybe that rookie year doesn't look great. Year two, we start to see the improvement. And then year three, we get the breakout. He's still young, um, but he has all the tools, right? Size to everything. So I, I really like him. Um, kind of reminds me of a guy like Walker Little, who you just want to see play a little bit more. And then, you know, you'll start to become more comfortable with the player that they, they can become. So um, really like Paris Johnson Jr. And then my last guy is Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. Um, that's a dude who, like, for his size, the way he moves, it should not be as smooth as it is. He almost gets himself in trouble sometimes because he's too quick. Um, you know, he tends to overset. He's moving just at a much different pace than other guys are. Uh, you know, he tested really, really well at the combine. I kind of knew that was coming. Um, you know, the only issue you have with Duncan is there's some bad film out there, and he he didn't really seem to get a ton better, right? Like, he's kind of always been the same player. There's not a ton of improvement there. But if he ends up in the right place, you know, I think he's someone who can definitely hit. He has all the tools you want, but it's going to take some work. So, you know, I don't think he's as as polished or as ready to go as, like, Tyler Smith was last year. But another, like, a similar thing there where you see a lot of the tools you want. You see – a lot of the the good film is really really good. The question is, can you get rid of all the bad? So I don't really know what his career looks like, but if he ends up in the right place, I think you're looking at a guy that's a starter in year two. And again, the way he moves, man, is is his movement is some of the best in the class, if not the best in the class. So um, you know, another guy with a just a load of potential if he ends up in the right place. One thing I love about Steen is played at Vandy for four years and then transfers up. To Alabama and uh-huh. you know doesn't skip a beat he's still still really solid really strong offensive lineman so I'd like that you mentioned him um Seth I'll, I'll kick it to you for this last one yeah you every year you kind of nail it and you know it's not why we have you back but it makes it even more fun to have you back because you you bring up a sleeper somebody that you know people don't talk about nearly as much and then they end up being either really good or to uh, potentially great, depending on, you know, 
on on the trajectory that they're on. But you you mentioned you know Trey Smith was a guy you loved a couple years ago. Uh, last year you were all in on Tyler Smith. He looked phenomenal um, until kind of injuries and and then the shuffling of that line all over the place in Dallas. I, I I'm interested what they do with him. Obviously the next couple of years, but he looks like the the future super bright. So who's the guy this year for you? Is it Steen? Yeah. So, you know, I guess I could kind of answer this three ways early in the draft. It's going to be Darnell, right? Uh, talked about him enough here today. Don't need to keep going over it, but I, I think he's a guy early on. That's my guy. You know, my, my middle round guy, that third to fourth to fifth round guy is Tyler Steen, because the thing for me with Steen is, like, again, show me bad film, but if he doesn't work at tackle, and I, again, I think if he wears, like, number 73, nobody really cares whether you think he can play tackle because his athleticism is just fine, and his size isn't bad either. Like, it, I'm telling you that number is throwing people off a little bit, plus he's got the weird build. But if he doesn't work at tackle, I think he plays guard, like, no problem. So if you're in round four and you think you draft a starter at right tackle, Right, or, or even if you think all oh, I'm doing is drafting a swing tackle here, and he turns out to be a really good plus starter for four or five years, that's a guy that hit, right? And then if he can't play tackle, but he kicks into guard, and he starts there for five or six years, like that's a guy that hit. Like if Tyler Steen's career becomes Billy Turner's career, that guy hit for you, man. You drafted him in the middle of the rounds, and he gave you. I mean, look at Andrew Wiley, right? Gave Chiefs 50 starts, won two Super Bowls. Uh, that that's a guy whose career worked out for them. Um, you know, a guy drafted as a guard, played tackle. So um, I really like Steen in the middle. And then I'll throw a name at you at the end of the draft that I don't know. You know, I, I don't say that anything's as much of a sure thing as like a Quentin Spain was or, any, you know, Moffy may fit that a little bit. But like, you know, Quentin Spain was more he played left tackle in college and nobody could just see that he should be a guard. And that's why that worked in the NFL. So I like Nick Saldaveri out of ODU. Um, tested fantastic, and I think he can play all five positions on the offensive line. I think is you know he reminds me a lot of like a Jeff Allen, where um you know right tackle, left tackle, you know if you need him to play left tackle for a couple games, he could do it. He definitely can play either guard spot. They had him playing some center at some of the All Star games. Maybe not a place you want him all the time, but something that'll work. Um, I think he's a guy you draft like round five, six, seven, even right, and you're feeling super comfortable with him playing any of your five spots, um, you know, and and filling in pretty well, kind of like Andrew Wiley did, where he played the left guard, the right guard, or the right tackle. And if you guys remember Jeff Allen from a couple years ago in Kansas City, um, now he was a starter guard, got paid to play guard, but I mean there was games he played left tackle, he could play center, he could play right tackle, he could do a lot of different things. He was a left tackle in college, so. I really like Saldaveri there, especially just with the value he'll bring. You know, I don't know that there's that guy besides maybe, like, again, I, I really think Steen is a starter, right tackle in the NFL. And, again, if you find a starter in round four that gives you four or five years of cost-controlled talent at a plus starter, you know, or even at an, a league average, right, then that, that's a draft pick that works. So, um, again, Steen for me in the middle rounds, but then the later rounds, you guys really should check out that Saldaveri, that, that kick and play. He's, you know, fantastic athlete, has a size, and again, super versatile guy, can play really any of the five spots. So Steen is like 6'6", but are are people just worried about his arm length? It's just a, a shade under 33. Uh, it's got to be the arm length thing, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, like, if you watch the, him and Broderick Jones, they, mm -hmm. like, you would question the size because of the weird number. I, I'm, there's something about it. I, I don't I, know how, it's it's bizarre. And then, you know, 
like like Steen is the same size as Darnell Wright or one right. you know one of these other guys, but they wear regular offensive tackle numbers, so they right. don't appear to be small. You know, it's it's a very very weird thing. He'd be a first rounder if he just put mayo in his coffee. <laughs> and then Saldaveri. So you mentioned Duncan and Saldaveri, uh, those guys, and you've seen quite a bit of both of those guys because you're because of where you live, right? Like those are local guys to you. Yeah, so they're like on my TV. And then uh-huh. Duncan played, you know, high school football in Maryland. He was a big time recruit out of Southern Maryland for, uh, I think he played there like a freshman and sophomore year before he transferred up to Big Boy Ball up there outside of DC. So he's kind of been a well known guy around here for a while. Again, like I'm telling you, man, if you cut his film on, he's a and the weird like Maryland across the board. I don't know how they're not better. Um, you know, like they're, they're <laughs> one of them schools. Yeah, you know, like you know, me and Jinx talk about it all the time. Like I think. You know, James Franklin's the most overrated coach in college football. The guy, I mean, uh, every year there's going to be five guys out of Penn State that absolutely break the combine that are going to get drafted in the first four rounds, and Penn State's going to win like nine games and lose to Iowa or something. They can't get a quarterback every year. And it, or, or they can't develop. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. And then, like, Maryland's the same thing. I mean, Maryland's ton of freak, freaks this year. Jacorian Bennett, Deontay Banks, Jalen Duncan. I mean, that roster was loaded and they really Hakeem didn't matter Jared, at all so dante demas yeah i mean stacked uh freak i mean freaks everywhere and they just don't matter so i'm not really sure why they weren't better but seriously Jalen duncan's a fun watch because you guys will see the movement kind of right away and then salt of air he, he's got some a lot of film out there a lot of highlights on him out there on twitter and stuff anybody just wants to take like a quick peek but his size is going to kind of lend him to be able to play anywhere on the offensive line and he's done a little bit of all that so you know again just a ton like I mean, man, if you're in round six, again, and you draft a guy who can swing tackle for you, play some guard, and if you need him to in a pinch, play some center, I mean, you you hit a home run. Oh, that's a fantastic point, and it's one we try and drive home on this show all the time, like w- about draft slot and what a guy has to do to make that a winning pick because a, a lot of people, I, I think, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Browns fan. I interact with a lot of Browns fans, and it seems like if that guy doesn't turn out to be like a hidden gem or, you know, a starter that people just poo poo the pick. But what you're saying, you're putting in perspective, like this guy becomes a swing tackle backup a long time, a guy you can plug in, uh, you know, as a spot starter, that's a win when you're getting to those later rounds. Uh, Seth, take us home with a hot take. Yeah. So you mentioned Tyler Steen and it was something that I wanted to, you know, bring up because, Jim Nagy, obviously, he's always got a little bit ulterior motive with his his takes. But, you know, he mentioned this uh, after Alabama's uh, pro day, and and that's why I thought it was interesting. Uh, You know, Steen doesn't get any love from the, like, NFL draft community, it feels like. But on this tweet, it says, you know, Steen proved at Senior Bowl he could play OG, which makes him four-position starter at next level. And then he said consensus among NFL scouts is round two, but very little buzz for a top for a likely top 50 player. And, I mean, it's one of those things that you look at. I think, like you said, you've got you've got the guys in, that you mentioned early uh in 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 Skaronsky and, and Johnson and Wright and and uh Broderick Jones. And then you've got an interesting next group. Uh you know, you mentioned Jalen Duncan, Anton Harrison, uh guys like um 
uh, Dwan Jones, you know, and then John Michael Schmitz and, and the interior guys. But Steen just feels like he's overlooked because, like you said, he he doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything that makes you turn your head. But the dude just blocks people. Like And, and like Justin said earlier, the big thing, I mean, that move up from Vanderbilt to Bama and, and being – probably the best offensive lineman on that line that that says something man yeah i i again just it's it's the trey smith thing all over again and look at what he's done in the league i mean one of the best young guards in the league and still a lot of the same things you saw on film in tennessee where that turned people off of him he still does in the nfl you know and it's it's just he gets guys blocked um so, you know, I again, I, I'm not really too sure why Steen's so far down there, but he is, and, and somebody's going to get a steal. I, I think, you know, like you're right. Jim Nagy's trying to build up the senior bowl. He's always trying to, you know, he always kind of has a slant or something that he's doing with that. But I, I think he's right. It's one of them ones where, you know, Steen's going to end up in round two, round three, and, and people are going to, you know, try to bash it or say that they were right and he should have been around four, round five, whatever it is. But guy can play football. And again, if he doesn't work out at, at the tackle spots, he he definitely works on the interior. So I really like him. Um, my hot take would be, you know, I think there's five offensive tackles that go in round one in a pretty weak class overall. So I think that's going to make people reach a little bit. Um, and I'd say just, you know, that my hot take is there's going to be five offensive tackles drafted. But I'd also say, I think overall, we look back on this class as the Eric Fisher type class where there just wasn't a ton of real blue chip players in it. I, what position can you really say is stacked, right? Like, I, I think you nailed the one corner. Like corner that's it. feels like feels like the only one. And like you said, it's crazy because now all of these guys are six one plus, but they're still running sub four fours. Like these, yeah. the the athletes now are insane at cornerback, but like. You know, we were talking about this the other day, and you're—I mean, you're a Chiefs fan, and and I know you—you're, you know, on Twitter, which we'll have you plug at the end. But like, you're desperate for wide receiver help, and you're—you're you're one of the people that like acknowledges it. Like, you're not getting the wide receiver help in this class. Like, this is not the class uh-uh. where to to need an alpha wide receiver one. Like, this is a bad wide receiver class. I mean, Justin and I have talked about it, and, and it's not a shot at Bijan. But like when Bijan Robinson's probably a consensus top ten player in this class, you're like, yeah, this this isn't the best class. Ever. And that's the thing too. I I like Bijan Robinson a lot, but I don't even think he's as good of a running back prospect as Saquon Barkley or Jonathan Taylor. But what I was gonna say that the running back class is strong, but um, PFF and and uh, Fantasy <laughs> Twitter have crushed the value of running backs. And so you're going to get if you can get Jonathan Taylor at 41. I mean, yeah, you 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 can take Bijan Robinson in the top ten of this class because it's not uh, a superstar class, but you're probably going to get some really good running backs on in the second and third round too, thanks to uh, the people who crushed running back value and who who continue to say not to pay running backs. So um, if if you're if if you're looking at the offensive line class, like this is kind of been, like. We've had this discussion now three years in a row, right? And I'm, you know, usually firing guys off. In round five, this guy's going to be yeah. a starter. And that, it's just not there this year. Um, so, you know, like – And let me guy, ask you this. Is, is it because 
is it because of the COVID years? Is it uh, guys are older? We Seth and I have talked about it all year. This is a really old draft class. You think that's it? So the co- I think there's like a mi- like a mix of things that are happening. So um, number one, the COVID years are definitely playing a role, right? Because there's just way more guys that are still in college now. So that's pushing down some of your younger talents not getting on the field. The transfer portal's crushing things because you know, like we just talked about, Tyler Steen, who was next up at Bama? Who knows? You know what I mean? There's probably a five-star that's at the bench all year. You know what I mean? Who who might be a top 15 guy next year? Who has any idea? Because, he probably you know, transferred to Tulane by now. Right, and now he's somewhere else, right? So, right. like, the transfer portal is definitely playing a role. And then someone much smarter than me, I think, should do a big deep dive into something me and Eric Stoner, that's a throwback name, right? But I still talk to him every day. Um, we've talked about some is – you know, like I, I would love to see the contract comparisons for for offensive linemen versus defensive linemen, because I think once I think defensive linemen are getting paid, if they're being paid more, I think you're seeing like, like I, I coach high school kids, I've done camps, done all that stuff. They don't want to play offensive line, so you know I think the money and and such is and you know defensive line. I mean, look at offensive line. You need five good offensive linemen, right? In college, these guys are. I mean, you know, there's Lucas Van Ness didn't even start. You know what I mean? There's there's such a rotation. So many more guys are playing. They're getting on the field. So I don't know if maybe that's playing a role too. Um, but I think there's kind of a mix of, of, you know, those kind of three big factors, right? I think that transfer portals matter in a lot more than people think. And I think Tyler Steen's a great example of that, of, you know, who knows who was really supposed to be next at Alabama because this guy kind of transferred up and plugged right in. And I, like we thought, I mean, it's a joke, but I bet there is. I bet there's a five-star somewhere that's just sitting there. I mean, look at like, you know, I think Wanya Morris, right? I think he transferred around a few times. He's in this class. Right. Um, I mean, there, there's some other five-star, like, guys that went somewhere, didn't pan out, and they've transferred to two and three different schools because you can just do it now. And then that COVID year, I mean, look at, like, Jackson Kirkland out of Washington. Pretty good right. player, but I think he's already, like, 25 years old, yep. you know? So, like, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a, just a weird time. And I think, you know, offensive line-wise, right, you're, like – I'm pretty sure, or I shouldn't say pretty sure, I know Darnell, Broderick, and Paris Johnson Jr. are three good players. You feel really good coming out of the draft with them. The rest of the tackles, who really knows? Guards, you'd feel really good coming out of this draft with Peter Skaronsky. The rest of them, you know, major holes in their game. Center, John Michael Schmidt, right? The rest of them, there's some iffy area there, right? You know, uh, Olu, uh, Olu Timmy out of Michigan, right? The guy who transferred from UVA. You know, all all these guys have some like big time question marks on their game. They're just not as developed. Um, so I, I don't really know the answer to that. But again, I, I think the class, you know, Seth just said it. It's corner for sure. There's a bunch of studs running around the corner, which is great for the league. But man, the other positions are rough. I mean, look at the defensive line this year. Every one of these guys has these crazy question marks about them. Like, you know, I mean, if we draft Mazai Smith at thirty one, half the fan base is gonna love it, half the fan base is gonna hate it and they're, you know, ESPN said it's going to be arguing with each other about whether you should have went in round four or not. Like, it's a weird class. And I think, again, I think my hot take is we're going to be looking back on this one going, well, they took Eric Fisher, but nobody else was any good either. You know? <laughs> well, Cowboys fans want Maisie Smith with their first round pick. So that might spare you. Um, so, uh, Sully, thanks again. Uh, it's always awesome to talk to you about O-line every year. Let's uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Only on Twitter these days, man. Um, Sully it's football. Well worth it. <laughs> yeah, Sully football. I'm back uh, with the OG username. Thanks, Elon. 
Um, <laughs> so I couldn't get my old accounts back. Um, as you guys know, throughout the years, right, I've gotten big, gotten small. Um, fair warning, I don't shy away from any topic, so I don't pretend to be someone else online. Um, so, you know, you may see some things you may not like, but the football talk's usually pretty good. I am. I would say, and you guys may weigh in here, I would think I'm the most realistic, like, unbiased fan. Like, my team's been to three of the last four Super Bowls, and I still say our wide receiver group sucks, and how, how <laughs> are we going to win a game next year? Like, I don't – there's never just sunshine and rainbows with me. I'm pretty straightforward um, with just about everything. So, uh, yeah, that's where you find me at, man. And then once a year, I, I hop on here and hang out with these guys. Well, we appreciate it, man. And honestly, like I said, we we love this episode, partially because Justin and I do not claim to have any expertise in offensive line play. Uh, and so we get a guy that is an expert on and, and can steer us in the right direction. So we can. And I like him. to think we get a little bit smarter each year, Seth. I, yeah. Well, after we listen to Sully, though. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you as always for listening everybody we'll be back later this week with the bonus episode have a good night everybody we need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what i hear in other shows is where they're like uh you know uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review sign up for our patreon it's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. Right so, exactly. <laughs>